in this attic lot going on but there ain't no need to panic come on up and join we getting wild getting manic spitting truth for all you fanatics uh every week got something new to say ain't no filter this shit coming straight from the brain it's coming straight from the brain yeah it's coming straight coming straight from the brain What's up, everybody? Today is Friday, January 26, 2024. Holy smokes, look at my outfit. First off, if you're watching this, it's football time. I can't believe I'm saying it. We're almost to the end of January. And the Detroit Lions, our Detroit Lions, are still playing meaningful games. I mean, they're still playing games. Normally, they'd be in Acapulco right now working on their handicap. Um, but here they are. And holy smokes, it's been a fun ride. And... You know, we've heard a lot of takes about this, especially if you're up here in the Michigan area. Every reporter and every uh, celebrity, every, basically everyone's talking about the Lions. That's cool. Uh, we're a hungry fan base. This has been a, just an a organization just buried in futility for a long time. Ownership that seemingly didn't really care about the product. Fans that continue to support them, even while putting out terrible products. Great players along the way, of course. Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, and tons of other players in between. But that came here to try and get wins for this organization and left retired early kind of at the top of their game in both cases. And that just takes its toll on a fan base. And I don't want to sit here and say, this is great for the city, you know, but it, it is, it's good for the city. It's good for me personally. Um, and I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned by this lions team. First off, think about these rookies that are on this team. There's four, four highly contributing players and even more uh, rookies that are playing occasionally as well, but there's four guys in Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Brian Branch, and Sam Laporta, four just complete impact players. Look, those guys have no baggage. They, you know, they're lumped in with the Lions and they're sitting here breaking 32 year playoff drought, you know, records and things like that. But so this is their first year here. These guys don't know anything but NFL success. And what's the lesson to be learned there? Well, how many of us are carrying around baggage that we really didn't create first off. And even if we were part of it, who cares? Move on. Right. I mean, we can't dwell on it. And I was never one of those guys that talked about the SOL or the same old lions because I knew there's a rotating situation. The rosters were changing. Fuck for the, for the lions. We are ch changing up coaches every couple of years too. So disruptive, um, terrible for the organization, but each new regime that came in and each new player that came in either by draft or by free agency or what have you, those guys aren't beholden to the baggage of the, the organization for the last 70 years or whatever it's been since we've been truly relevant. And it just gets you thinking, you know, how, how do you apply that to yourself? Maybe your dad's an asshole or your, or maybe your family is made up of all assholes and you're carrying around their debts and you're carrying around their negative attitude and maybe even owing some of the fines for what, came before you but fuck that brian branch came in jameer gabes came in and they've came from an alabama team that was a championship they came here and now we're champs and i don't know that's the lesson right quit carrying around stuff that you are not responsible for okay dan orlovsky takes a snap runs directly out of the back of the end zone on his first play in the nfl or at least in that game in that season um takes immediate safety lions end up going 0 16 that year 
That isn't fucking Jared Goff's problem. It wasn't Matt Stafford's problem. It wasn't even John Kitten's problem. That was a, a, a bad play by Dan Orlovsky. Whatever. Who cares? But man, it's just been fun. I don't know. I, I, I Like I was saying, I was never an SOL guy. Same old lion guy. That said, I was. Because until about halfway through last year, I kind of expected the Lions to find a way to lose. And we all had that mentality. And if you believe in manifestation or just general energy principles, if the, if the whole fan base is sitting on pins and needles hoping they're not going to lose, you don't think the, the players are feeling that? Um, of course they are. And about halfway through the year last year, I think it was the, the Buffalo Bills game, which Jessica and I went with a bunch of our friends on Thanksgiving Day, and we actually lost that game. But that just felt different. It, it just didn't it felt like we had a team and it felt like we had a group of guys that was separating itself from the baggage from the same old lions bullshit. And they, they changed my heart. And now to the point where I'm expecting that we win against San Francisco. Um, of course they're a great team. They've been a great team for a lot longer than the lions have been, have been relevant, but I don't know. It's just that it's a mentality and it's a feeling. And I'm going to make sure that I keep thinking positively. If a if a ref makes a bad call, we can't get all negative about that. They feel the players feel that shit. Stay positive, and it's been fun. We're kind of playing with house money at this point anyway. We're playing deep into January. I'd love to win this game. I expect that we will. Uh, but no matter what happens here down the down the stretch, thanks to the Lions and all the players and the organization and everyone for for making this fun and making us kind of realize what you know Pittsburgh and Boston and. Uh, Dallas fans have been feeling for a long time. Frankly, you guys are spoiled. <laughs> try try thirty years of futility. Uh, if you want to pretend like you're a good fan, okay. If you're still there after thirty years of futility, then you're as good as Lions fans. But hey, it's been great. I have so many memories from from when I was a kid going to games. Uh, I think the first game that I, at least I remember, and when I say I remember, really I remember a picture of us at this game. But I remember being at, at the Silver, Silverdome. I think we were playing the Colts. It was probably the late 80s. They were playing at the Silverdome at the time. And if you haven't been to the Silverdome, um, it's just cavernous. It's massive. There's no character to it whatsoever, uh, you know, when it was still standing. But we, my dad had somehow landed tickets that were fourth row from the top. I don't know how we pulled it off. Don't know how he pulled it off. It had to be a hot ticket in town. But holy shit, we were probably, I don't know, 800 feet, 1,000 feet. <laughs> from the game action I felt like at least I felt like that you would see a big collision like at the end of the first quarter it would be halftime before you'd actually hear that thing that's how fucking far we were it was just uh, a different kind of experience but of course at the time it was dope it was crazy it was cool um, Barry Sanders you know came along shortly thereafter and that was a fun team for a while uh, then we got cocaine Wayne Fonts who was comes from Bay City of all places or at least has some history in Bay City um that dude was just, I don't even think he wore a headset. I don't even think he knew what the plays were or anything. He was kind of just like a figurehead and not even a very motivational one. But, hey, he got a lot of results. And after he left, we just we just had a huge laundry list of just rehashes and just bad coaches, you know, bad coaches. It was rough. Um, Steve Mariucci had been great somewhere else. Couldn't, couldn't overcome the burdens of the Detroit organization and the lack of support he was getting from ownership, whatever. And then we had Rod Marinelli, who was like a Walmart greeter, but with less football knowledge. Um, who came after that? Jim Schwartz. Hey, Jim Schwartz came in and actually did adjust the attitude. He was the first guy in my lifetime that I felt like, holy smokes, this guy is changing the culture here. Unfortunately, his culture tended to be criminal. 
You know, uh, he like tried to fight Jim Harbaugh in his first game. Harbaugh and the Niners were running off the field. Watch what happens next. There's a quick handshake between Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz. Schwartz says something to him briefly, and then this ensues. If you guys remember that, and then and Dominican Sue and a bunch of those guys were just dirty kind of players. They they were highly penalized, relatively undisciplined. But hey, at least they were tough. And he did get us in a position where I felt like this is an organization on the cusp. We got Stafford, uh, we got Kelvin Johnson, and you know our defense was coming around. Darius Slay and our uh, DeAndre Levy. We had a good we had a good team. Who's that? Uh, Ansa Ezekiel Ansa, the African dude. He was a, he was a, a beast out of nowhere. But yeah, that team had it. And then they brought in Jim Caldwell, who was who was successful. He got us into the playoffs. But those teams limped into the playoffs. Caldwell's great. I think the players loved him. He did have good results with us and at, throughout his career, but he wasn't necessarily a highly uh, motivational. I'm not going to even say that because you know he was a he is a black coach in the NFL. So to a lot of po- folks, I'm sure that was highly inspirational. So good on him, good for him. But he was not the guy. Uh, no, everyone kind of felt it. And when they got rid of him, they brought in Matt Patricia, the old pencil. Um, and just a bad coach. He, the players did not like him. He tried to come in with a Bill Belichick discipline, but he's walking around carrying 150 extra pounds. Like, why don't you get your fucking shit in order before you tell me how to live, right? And I'm not saying that you better, you have to be built like Dan Campbell to get respect from your locker room, but it helps. You know, being a slob uh, when you're not getting wins is not going to get anything there. I'm not fat shaming. I just, that guy sucked. Um, what they did do, though, that regime, including Bob Quinn, the GM at the time, who also came from the Patriots dynasty, you know, they did know how to draft offensive linemen, and that's paying dividends now. I mean, Taylor Decker and I believe Graham Glasgow originally, um, Frank Ragnow, uh, maybe Jonah Jackson. Anyway, those guys did set the foundation. That we we ran them out of town. They sucked. Uh, it was brutal. I thought it was extra funny that this year when the Eagles were starting into their defensive down downfall, they made an emergency move to make Matt Patricia the defensive coordinator. And if you know the Lions history like I do and you know Patricia, that kind of made you smile because it kind of felt like, all right, maybe the Eagles aren't to be worried about anymore in this playoff scene. And they weren't. They sucked. Their defense was bad. Not all on Patricia, but I'm sure he didn't help. Pencil, whatever. Um, so then they bring in in 2021 Dan fucking Campbell he was a former middling, you know, block first type tight end who spent some of his career in Detroit and in Dallas and other places, I believe. Uh, you know, I remembered him as a player. He was cool. He was tough. He kind of seemed like a Southern wild man back then. He didn't really seem like a particularly cerebral guy, at least from the outside looking in. With by the way, I had a smaller understanding of the world when I was when I was making those opinions. But then he comes in. Of course, he has his famous kneecap speech. We're going to get up, and on the way up, we're going to bite the kneecap off. That kind of is pan. People make fun of it. I even kind of teased it to some degree, but I was willing to give this guy a chance. And lo and behold, a year and a half in, the dude has not won many games. I think they were four and twenty or something like that in the first uh, twenty-five games. But like I said, that Bills game was right around the time where they started turning it on. And since then, they've won twenty-two out of twenty-seven games. Right? Is that what it is? Twenty-two out of twenty-eight games. That's crazy. That's got to be the best record um, since the midway point last year in the entire league. And you just feel it. It's a culture shift. They, they're they not the same team. They expect to win. They put in the work. They don't make excuses. They have, each, they have each other's backs. They're accountable. They don't play the blame game. It's literally the opposite of what 
I see in your boy, Donald Trump. And when I say your boy, hopefully none of you listening, but Hey, if you are listening and you do like him, I, I still prefer that. Uh, I prefer that you listen, then you don't, but maybe reconsider your vote. But anyway, imagine a Dan Campbell versus a Donald Trump, uh, debate, right? And one guy isn't willing to take the blame and the other guy doesn't want the blame. And it would end up just being Donald Trump blaming Dan Campbell. And then it would probably devolve into Dan Campbell, just throwing that fucker off the stage, which would, I think, the only thing bigger than than Dan Campbell bringing a Super Bowl, a Lombardi Trophy home to Detroit, would be him picking up Donald Trump and just tossing him into the crowd of a debate. That would be fantastic. And uh, so I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but it's been fun. Back in the day when they were playing at the Silverdome, I have another memory here. Back in the day, there was a blackout policy in the NFL. Maybe it still exists, by the way. I don't know. But the blackout policy was any homes or addresses within 100 miles of the home stadium. If, if that home NFL game was not a sellout, then any houses in that in that 100 mile radius or whatever it was could not see the game. And so, you know, in, seemingly to incentivize us to drive to the game, we're 100 miles away and we're, you know, in junior high. So we're not going to go to the game. We just want to watch these guys. It seems like a bad business decision at the time. But anyway, there was a game when uh, the Lions had not won. Again. I think they were 0-8 to start the year. They were playing the Vikings, and it was a blackout. And what do you do in a blackout? Well, in the Ross family, you gather up your buddies, and you talk my parents into taking this down to the Rat Skeller, the Rat, which is really a place you know for for cheap alcohol and, and cocaine consumption ultimately down the road. But um, – at the time, it was just a place that had the DirecTV NFL season ticket package or Sunday ticket package, whatever it was. And we went and we're watching this game. It's filled with drunkards, the, the typical Rat Skeller clientele. And first, it's funny thinking back even that a bunch of kids that can't even drink go in there and you know, maybe buy a basket of fries or something. Like Rat Skeller did not make much money off us that day. But there were plenty of other people crushing drinks, making up for it. And for, there's a couple stories here. Number one, number one. Charlie Bash was the quarterback at the time, and he had been sacked multiple times. And he drops back on a play. They're getting their asses kicked at this point. It looks like they're not going to win. And he drops back on a play and doesn't even have a single second really to consider what to do. He's immediately tackled on the blind side, sacked. Uh, and this drunk guy stood up in front of us, in front of the one kind of bad, poorly lit projector screen in the entire Raskeller. And he he stands up and he goes, throw the ball, Batch. One, two, three, throw. And that's that's the thing that my friends and I still talk about. <laughs> you know, next time I see them, if, if the, when the Lions come up, this will come up. And we'll just implore Charlie Batch to throw the ball on the kind of tree. Right. Um, so that was great. But even better than that, at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the game, we were getting a big snowstorm during this whole thing, too, making it even harder for us to try and go drive down to the fucking Silverdome to see this. Um and we're getting a big snowstorm. So the entire game, the DirecTV Sunday ticket at the Raskeller is kind of intermittent. It's like dropping out for a split second. Color is going away at times. You know, it's kind of like shifting. You'll see like the the sync NTSC sync lines happening. And you're kind of, it's on the cusp the whole time of that we're going to lo- lose the signal. You know, maybe the Raskeller didn't have a perfectly clear view of the southeast sky or whatever it is. But it was threatening the whole time. And then the fourth quarter comes. We're mounting a comeback. Batch started throwing the ball even earlier than on a kind of tree. The guy was was firing it around. We're mounting the comeback. We're, we we can feel our first win of the season coming. It's the end. It's the last couple plays, and 
Thatch drops back. It looks like he's going to throw a perfect ball on the uh, probably on the kind of tree or four. And as he winds up to toss, the the feed goes completely black, and the the entire crowd of the Rathskeller, you know, which was lubed up and ready to see a W. Uh, just went nuts, and when the game came back on, 45 seconds later, we had we had scored a touchdown, and I think we were kicking the extra point to win, or at least to put us in a position to win. And then there was a couple plays, Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss came out, they they couldn't make it happen, and we won the game. So that was a, a special day because not only did we hear about throwing the ball on tree, but we also technically missed the, <laughs> the first one of the season. Uh, and that's the kind of, you know, when you have a fan base as hungry and starved as, as the Detroit Lions fan base, those are the memories you have growing up. It's not, oh, I remember seeing Franco Harris and Terry Bradshaw win back-to-back Super Bowls, and I met fucking <laughs> Tom Brady at a golf course, and he was, you know, whatever. It's not that. It's us just remembering uh, getting our first win and having to miss the play. Uh, nine weeks into a season and remembering drunk guys yelling at uh, Eastern Michigan products, trying to uh, take an NFL franchise to the helm. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to fly, but those are the things we remember. And because of that, our fan base is a little bit cooler than some, you know, I, I personally believe like throwing batteries at opposing players and stuff. That's just, let's never do that kind of stuff. That's something that spoiled fan bases do when they actually have to create their own negativity. The Lions have had a lot, given us plenty of negativity to deal with. And now let's just let this good times roll. Let's be happy about this. Let's fucking go to San Fran and win. I feel like we're gonna, and if we don't, I don't even want to put it out there, but what a fucking year. It's been super fun. I just winged this episode again. I, I don't know. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much. But the only thing I really had planned is I do want to talk about Neil Young. Early in the year, right before the, the KC Detroit opener at, at Arrowhead, where the Lions kind of surprised the nation and, and knocked off a, a hobbled KC team on banner night. It was great. It was a good start for the year. Showed that we can win on the road, which should come in handy this week. That if you remember Honolulu hype, it was a Neil Young parody all about uh, my feelings heading into the season. And I, it ended with the Lions hoisting the Lombardi trophy. If you remember here, I'll, I'll play a clip of it right now. Well, I dreamed I saw the Detroit Lions win in Super Bowl LVII. Their offense high flying, their defense grinning. It's come true. It's pretty much come true. And so now I kind of want to run it back. I want to do a reprisal of uh, Neil Young. It's a new song. This one is going to be based on From Hank to Hendrix. It's called From Fonts to Patricia. Okay. I'm going to play it on my piano. I'm actually going to dress up like Neil Young. Put on my cowboy hat. I'm going to be kind of angry. By the way, I always like Neil Young. He's a super. Uh, he, he supports the marginalized communities. You know, he he uh, he stands up for the little guy. And you may say you're a middle aged white guy with a podcast. That's about as basic as it gets. Yeah, but I was a Neil Young fan. I am a Neil Young fan, and that's a marginalized group. You know, especially when you're a twelve year old boy. You know, nobody wants to hear Neil Young. So, you know, I'm not going to put the plight of the young Neil Young fan on on par with the transgender, you know, issues and things like that. It's not quite the same, but it's something. So I'd, I'd appreciate it if, uh, you'd give us Neil Young fans a chance. 
give us the same opportunities that, you know, a Bieber fan would get in this day and age or whatever, what have you. So I'm going to play from Fonz to Patricia. <sighs> I'm going to be sweating my ass off, by the way, from this outfit. Okay. Just got to do a couple things and I'll be ready to go. From Fonz to Patricia stayed rooting for you I was this close to giving up couldn't bring myself to so many new coaches it was an endless hell so hard to believe in them until Dan Campbell Together, MCDC's bona fide. Built a culture here, throw SOL aside. Scott Mitchell to Matt Stafford. Sure, they both made me smile. Now we're headed to the title game. San Francisco style I found myself thinking why it felt so off Turns out we needed more Enter Jared God Finally got a QB, one who takes care of the ball. Come as a cucumber, plus he's pretty tall. Alternate there, plus he looks like a Kendall Gosling. Sometimes it's Montgomery, other times it's Jameer. Sun guy. Laporta or leave with no tacklers near defense getting better finally hitting their stride if he do a branch in cam Hutch and Mack inside roster so much better younger faster and tough as nails plus they're gritty as fuck and gritty never fails Signing off from Canada, Neil Young. Go Lions! And go Argonauts. All right, peace out, everyone. That was fun. I don't know. Hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. Go Lions. Have fun. Drink that Kool-Aid, baby. Support them. Be nice. And 
Let's all take a page out of the Lions book. You can only control yourself. You're not responsible for 30 years of futility. You're not responsible for your parents or your family or your friends' bullshit. It's just you. And you can get up every day and be disciplined and do what you want to do the way that uh, Dan Campbell clearly has done throughout his life and that he's clearly motivated this team to do. It's fucking awesome. Let's do it, boys. Salute. Go Lions. Peace out, everybody. This is a Stanley. Actually, uh, I murdered someone to get this from Target, actually. Salute. Salute.